When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Cowboys and Cowgirls, to an Ingles and Ian podcast presented by CowboysRifleFree.com. And as always, your good friend and mine, the savior of Italian virginity, <laughs> which is a reference to the great 2001 Nice Hell. If you haven't seen, you should definitely watch it. Keith Ledger, it's amazing. Your good friend of mine, Mr. Ian. How you doing today, buddy? Yo, I'm you- sorry. I wish that was a video podcast because the look on his face was fantastic. I... I, uh, I am sorry. I was not expecting that. I told um, you to watch this movie like a month and a half ago because I told oh, you something was coming. I told you something was coming. I thought you'd ask me, "Hey, have you seen the movie yet?" You, no, I, you I said you should watch this movie. There. I was like, "Oh, okay." It's like, no, uh, I said you should watch this movie. Uh, well, I'm German, so there's that. But but yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. I had a. I don't know. Today was also pretty weird for me. Um, I, I kind of just, I didn't do much. So I. Well, are, they, are yeah. you done with the semester? Or pretty yeah, much? I wrapped up uh, Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, that's a great part about being off. You just like get to lay back and well, you're waiting for the ball games to start. That's when like college break really gets fun is when the ball games start and you can just like start watching football at 11 and oh. end at midnight and you're great. Oh, heck yeah, dude. I am. Bowl season is one of my favorite times of the year. I've mentioned that we got Army Navy uh, this week, and then we got uh, I think from Friday to Saturday. I think that's eight bowl games, and all of them are all of them are pretty interesting, albeit with only one combined uh, Power Five team in there. And then you got the Myrtle Beach Bowl with uh, Tulsa in it, so that'll be. I should go. The thing on when that is, I should go see it. Myrtle Beach is not that far, and I heard I hear it's beautiful. Monday. At one thirty, I can't make central. That. So two thirty, uh, your time. So you bring up Army Navy, or yeah, Army Navy, and so I've I've been driving. I've had to drive a whole lot today. I went and picked up a three D printer on the north side of Charlotte. So I was in the car for like three hours after work, and like all these people, especially, have been talking about what the nil deal for Texas is doing. Mm. Which, if you haven't heard, there's these billionaires new boosters which texas always has who are pumping all this money into this uh longhorns care fund i think is what they're calling it and they're paying every scholarship athlete across multiple sports between 50 and a hundred thousand dollars to show up at charity events so they don't even have to sponsor a product they just show up and they get paid 50 grand and or 100 grand or whatever it is and it's across multiple sports men's and women's and all these people are like lamenting the death of college sports and i'm starting to feel it because it's something i know i've i've mentioned i don't know if it was to you on or off the show itself but i think one reason this season and one reason my hope train was going so hard this year was because i knew this was the end of the line for Oklahoma State. 
Like we may have one more year to win a legit natty, but after that, you know, once the new CFP Texas OU leaves super conferences, we're going to be bottom of the barrel. We just don't have the numbers and we're going to get into that soon. Why Ohio state and Oklahoma state are very different. And it's always sort of been this, there, there has been some level of competitive balance, not a lot, but some. But now it's all out in the open and quote unquote legal. It just shows how much schools like ours can't. And I think, and I, and I felt it when, when he didn't cross the pylon. And I, I'm sure there's some camera guy at the or at Jerry World who caught me hitting my knees. Like I had to take a few deep breaths. As I shed a few tears, like because I knew this was the end of what I loved about college sports. This was like maybe the last pure season, pure season, quote unquote, but still, and man, it's tough. It's hard, like hard knowing what's going to happen to the sport. I love so much once it becomes a professional sport, which is essentially what it's going to be coming with these slush funds and billionaires paying for players. I mean, there was that, uh, Ohio State kid who got paid a bunch of money for like four staff, four snaps. And now he's going back to Texas and is going to make a bunch of money. And there's like the days of like Malcolm Rodriguez competing at the highest level and getting these awards and missing out on awards he should have won are over for the most part. And man, that's why Saturday bummed me out and Noel's leaving bum me out because it's just we can't compete anymore because we don't have the dollars because of who our school is compared to a lot of other schools okay that that's that's a lot to unpack um but let me just let me kind of put it this way um there there's a tweet that came out you know before we recorded a thousand players have entered the transfer portal and if that transfer portal still exists there will always be talent coming in and out of schools. So I nobody is dead. And I think the NIL stuff, that stuff was probably happening before, and it's just now come to light. Uh, I With Knowles, I think that regardless, I think Ohio State was just – it was going to be there. There was also potentially a talk of Florida. OSU can't pay that much if you want to – because let, let, let's be real, this is just like baseball. Baseball, there's no salary cap limit. So a player can easily go to the Yankees for 10 more million dollars than if he signed with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's just how the game works. And yeah, we will probably see that with college football, but I don't think that's going to affect a whole lot. I mean, once, I mean, we'll see, but I think new CFP. You know, if there is a true super conference, um, I mean, we'll see. But I just, it's something that, like, I knew, I've, I've known in the back of my head and I've been trying to put into words ever since we beat Texas of why the hope train, and, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I'm always at least a win more optimistic than I think the team is, but why I was pushing so hard because – I knew this is probably the last ride, like last real college football ride, whatever the new normal is. Sure. 
And the thing that sucks about the transfer portal as it is, people coming in, going out, is we're not going to have the four-year guys like Mason Rudolph. But Mason Rudolph, you know what's going to happen to him in two years at Oklahoma State putting up 4,000 yards? Someone's going to throw a million dollars at him to go to Ohio State or to USC or to Bama or wherever. And you would be stupid not to take it. As a 20-year-old, you don't know. You're especially playing football. Your next snap could be your last. And you'd be stupid not to take a million dollars a year, no matter how loyal you are. And you get to play with better players and it increases your odds of going to the pros. And da da da. I mean, it's just uh it just it hit me today, especially I was listening to things and just reflecting about the season. I won't lie, like the last 45 minutes of my drive home, I just like turned my radio off and drove in silence, just contemplating what all this means to me and what it means for the sport and the things that we love about college football and college sports in general. And it's just, man, I got, I got sad because I, 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 I was able to finally put words to the emotions I've been feeling all season. Let's um here. I know it's there. There's a thing called loyal and true, and there will still be those guys. But if you think about it on the food chain, we are higher up than several schools. And look, we got uh, Jalen Warren came from Utah State, and it's all it's going to be about the transfer portal. And you saw what Michigan State did this year; they were ten and two, and had a lot of guys come in through the transfer portal. And now they're going to the Peach Bowl. That might be the blueprint to sustained success. And I, I've I think I've mentioned this before, but you oh, they will not succeed in the Big Twelve. You have to go somewhere else. Um, in order for NIL deals, you. If you could somehow go to the SEC, if you can, like, I, I don't know what to do because now I think the Big 12, even if they are good at football, they are not seen as a premier conference anymore, even when you bring in Cincinnati, even in even when you bring in Houston. It, it just, it's not going to be the same. Yeah, well, even in, when it comes to NIL, uh, in terms of the – I don't know how to say this without sounding terrible – but in general, because of the programs that, say, a Baylor has and has had for 100 years versus the programs that Oklahoma State has had and has had for 100 years, the Baylor alumni are going to be a lot richer. I'm not saying they're better or worse. It's just they're more lawyers and doctors and we're more, you know, farmers and engineers. And two of those things pay away a lot more than the other two for the most part. And that's one of the things we're going to run into is it's like, I think Baylor is going to start because they can and have the resources that now that they have a coach, they believe in that those lawyers and doctors are going to start throwing money at. Well, barring if uh, Aranda leaves for Oregon, maybe like I think, well, Baylor has to deal with the private school stuff, you know, and those private school logistics. So that might be in the way. Uh, for them, Oklahoma State's a public school, so I, they might have a couple of uh, advantages there. But who knows, man? It's Baylor's be... uh, Baylor admission standards aren't that high. It's not Notre Dame. <laughs> well, they they are still technically a private school, and they have to, you know, they have their private school standards, right? But they also don't don't have to also disclose as much as a private school does. 
they don't yeah or public school does i'm sorry oh, sorry that's been on my mind for the last couple hours sorry to unload on everybody in the first 15 minutes or so of the podcast but all right so i'm gonna say this straight up it's a bummer and i know i put in the slack before the big 12 big 12 championship game i'm like this is worrying me that Knowles isn't signed yet. Well, um, I can't blame him. I can't, I can't blame, him. blame him. He got two point million to go to Oklahoma State. There were rumors that I don't know are true, but there are rumors that he was waiting for a deal. He got impatient. Ohio State called. Bada bing, bada boom. They didn't offer. Either they didn't offer just in time, or the well, Ohio State made an offer he couldn't refuse. So everything um, I have read, the numbers are Oklahoma State offered 1.3 million. Mm-hmm. Ohio State offered two two million a year. Mm-hmm. So I like so something I want to get into was when I talked about a bit earlier the economics between Oklahoma State and Ohio State. And I tweeted out earlier, get ready for math and an econ on this podcast. So one of the so I just want to. So I've seen so many people on Twitter, like we could have offered the money and we didn't. And I want those people to shut up because they haven't looked at the numbers. Okay. Oklahoma state's endowment, which is the core of money that the university uses to generate more money through interest and other things is $1.21 billion. Ohio state, six point eight billion dollars it's more than 5x actually it's a little under 5x ours athletic department revenue oklahoma state 93.6 million dollars ohio state 233.8 million dollars so well and here's a great juxtaposition ohio state's football revenue 115 million Oklahoma State's entire athletic department generates 93.6. Their football program makes more than our basketball, football, baseball, everything else combined. Like, that's a big number. Our, and, and I mean, in terms of percentage of profit, they're about the same. We make about 50% profit. But if you want to look at contract terms, uh, what OSU offered Knowles in terms of, uh, total sports revenue hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price Happy price, price line. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we had a small difficulty with Zoom. Apparently, they decided to just not let us talk anymore. So, uh, crashed and burned on us. <laughs> so, I was talking about total revenue, I believe. Yes. So, in terms of football revenue, Oklahoma State pulls in fifty-three point five million a year. Ohio State, 115 million revenue a year, which is insane. I mean, that is mm-hmm. two times. And then some. 
And it's no wonder they can offer Knowles what they've offered Knowles. And if you wanted to look at it from an interesting perspective, if you want to look at it in, in terms of percentage of revenue, Oklahoma State offered Knowles 1.3% per, 1. of total revenue. Ohio State, 0.8%. If, if, if Oklahoma State were to match that offer, they would have been paying him almost 2.1%, which is the better part of three times Ohio State's percentage of revenue. That's, that's, the, that's the economics of scale for Ohio State. I mean, I know 2.1% doesn't sound like a lot, but 2.1% of 90-something million dollars is a lot of money. Would it be worth it? Probably. It would, football-wise, make sense. Financial-wise, over the total department, probably not the best choice financially. And I understand that, but man. I mean, Grant, these it are, would have been so great to keep them. Grant, these are 2020 numbers, and you know everyone's salary's got to go up, right? Oklahoma yeah. State's total profit for the athletic department was $1.1 million. Out of $93.6 million in revenue, they made $1.1 million. Granted, Ohio State spends $233 million that makes five point six. So ROI is on Oklahoma State's side, but you can pay for a lot more coaches with 2.5 X expenditure, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in, okay. So this is, this is going to be my take that the uncertainty of the big 12, the CFP and the new TV contracts is why we couldn't keep Knowles. So you're thinking long-term with this, not just necessarily football or a budget. This was a moot or Knowles left because of uncertainty and not the guaranteed money. I, I'm no, no, no. So I think that Oklahoma State, if they knew what was going to happen in five years or even less, because we don't know what's going to happen, uh, Texas and OU could buy out early. That could change TV contracts. Oklahoma State has no idea what their athletic revenue, especially football, which is the biggest driver, is going to be in two or three years. And if they, if, if they had a concrete number that they knew they could hold on to, I think they offer them 1.7, 1.8 in these days. But they don't. And especially with the new look Big 12, where a lot of the non-revenue sports, they're going to be having to travel to BYU, to Houston. You know, our footprint is expanding. And that's going to cost a lot more money for those sports that don't bring in money. Yeah, that would yeah that would make sense um, because of the travel. Yeah, that's I, I just frustrating. It's frustrating because also can we talk about this for a sec? How Jim Knowles didn't win the Broyles of the Year or the Broyles coach? I mean, I would have been fine if it was Dan Lanning, but I did not see. I think his name is Josh Gaddis from Michigan. Stupid. I didn't think I didn't think he was going to win it. I he was not on my radar. Which I mean, it was a sound plan against Ohio State. It Recency was bias. Yeah, just, I guess. Just just jerking but, off those big blue bloods. I mean, even then, like I oh, even though Oklahoma State lost, maybe if they won that game, maybe he gets the award. 
but still, like, they only gave up 21 points against Baylor, and then on the defensive side of the ball, they gave up 24 points because the uh, uh, his nine points were uh, from a safety and then a uh, fumble by uh, Presley. Yeah, I mean, and all their scoring drives started within our 50. I mean, mm-hmm. it is stupid he didn't win that award. He, the we led almost every major category. Um, you know, the only other guy I could think of would be the the Georgia guy, but he got lit up that weekend. So it's it's just it is the hierarchy at at play. It is we're going to re- reward these people for this. If Knowles had been almost anywhere else in the Big Twelve, if he had been a Baylor. He probably would have won it. Oh, you definitely would have won it. You know, there's it's just, it is, it is what it is to be an Oklahoma State fan. I don't know about everywhere else. I think OU in Texas, yeah. But Baylor, they had a coordinator in there. They didn't win. Um, but their coordinator didn't do what Knowles did. They didn't, but I mean, I just, it is what it is. And I mean, even if he goes to, I hope he gets a Broyles award at Ohio State. He's gonna he's gonna crush it at Ohio State with the talent that he's going to bring in. Ohio State is gonna be a force, and also he doesn't have to worry about a mediocre offense stopping him and forcing the defense in tough spots. I mean that is true about the offense not screwing up. Well, not screwing up as much. But my I actually have an interesting idea about this. So. Okay. How many fifth and sixth year guys do we have on this defense? Like eighty percent of them, it seems like. I mean, it's a really high amount. Yeah. So he has had the same guys for four years. Mm-hmm. These are when it comes to college athletics, blue collar guys, right? Two stars, three stars. They're going to buy in the message of I'm going to be the best man I can be today which is what Jim Knowles sells. I'm not going to be your friend. I'm going to push you until you can't be pushed anymore and then push you a little farther, which is from what all I can tell is that's who Jim Knowles is. How's he going to handle an 18-year-old diva defensive end who thinks he's all that and doesn't want to be you know that kind of guy who's not the rah-rah, you're the best defensive end ever, uh, because he's never really been able to do that. I mean, he's been at he was at Cornell and Duke. I mean, these are the, the I mean, I, I, I honestly, I honestly believe he's a great defensive mind, but can he get the buy-in that he had from Brock Martin? Can he get the buy-in he had from, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez, even from Darren Oliver, right. Who wasn't a huge recruit. I mean, he was a good recruit, but he wasn't like, five-star whatever from whatever who's been getting his butt kicked kissed every every which way from Sunday since he was 12 years old you know and so I wonder if he can handle the diva-ness of a lot of the people at Ohio State because you know they're the best of the best he can yeah he's a grown man I mean you don't like what he's got to say he's got he's not gonna take no crap well, right, but is, does it, I, are his players going to listen to him? That's the thing. Are they? Are those entire little? Are those entitled little brats going to? They're listen not all to like him? that, man. <laughs> Ohio State is not like the dudes from Cornell. 
the dude has an Ivy League I know. background. Oh, well, I know, I know, but it's it's a very different environment than he's been in at Oklahoma State for the last four years. Well, he was a Duke for eight, and Duke is snobbier than Ohio State. Not in terms of football recruits. In terms of snobbiness in general. But not in <laughs> tell me any any defensive end who has been recruited by Ohio State and Duke that Ohio State actually wanted. I mean, I'm just saying in terms of football elite, he's going into a different stratosphere. And I honestly think he'll succeed, but I do wonder if he will. Well, if they were coming off another Big Ten championship, then maybe there'd be some concern. But when since they got the the, the brakes beat off of them by Michigan – they're going to come in extremely motivated and that's going to play well to Jim Knowles advantage to get that defense fired up because it was kind of their fault that Michigan won that game because they kept on power running. And you know what Jim Knowles is good at stopping the run. That's been a big priority this year. And if he can stop the run with Ohio state with the four and five star talents and he can manage egos, he's going to be fine. He's going to be great. See, that's what that, what you just said right there is what I'm curious about. Can he There's... manage egos? Because this Oklahoma State defense, as far as I can tell, are men who go to work. They don't have a lot of Ohio's egos. Ohio's blue collar. Like but Ohio the, State they, isn't. The, I'm saying the state in general because they can get recruits from Ohio who are blue collar. They've done it time and time again. Like A.J. Hawk. Obviously, but they all recruit. They recruit nationally, too, you know. They do. And the guys that don't want to go there, they could leave. And they can get another guy who's ready and can step up there. Because Ohio State has all sorts of talent wanting to go, hey, I want to be a Buckeye. So that, like, if he doesn't like a guy, they can go. And he's going to find a new guy. But again, that's that's my question. That's my question is, does he, can he handle the revolving door, which he hasn't had? Yeah, he can. He's a coach. He's been a coach. I, every coach is going to go through this. But the revolving door is spinning faster and faster every year. And at Oklahoma State, it has not been a revolving door. It has been the same guys for a very long, long time. And I wonder if he falters or in a year or two, if Ohio State will put up with it or they want results now. If he didn't think he can handle it. Why would he go? Why would he take the job? Two million dollars a year. <laughs> yeah, I'm just hey, hey, look, and I'll tell you this: this is an honest to God, true story. I have never accepted a job I thought I was qualified for. Mm-hmm. I knew I, I thought I could do it, but I wasn't sure. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story right now. Like, I took a job at a major, major nonprofit that everyone sees on TV all the time. I won't name them, but I took it and it was a major, it was a major jump for me. And I remember I, I was living in Tulsa. I took the day off of work. I went to Stillwater to go see my dad and go, dad, I'm scared. And he's like, you can do it. You can do it. But not everyone can do that. But you say, why would you take a job? You don't know if you can do. Well, I've done it every step of the way, and luckily, I've managed to be able to do it every step of the way. But every job I've taken, I've been terrified of taking. Okay, I um, okay, <laughs> I uh, yeah, 
I get that. And I'm sure Knowles is, I mean, Knowles is 56. He's, you know, he's been around the block. Just a, I just, I, I'm not, if, I'm not trying to take anything away from Knowles. Yeah. And I don't want to think that it's just that I am curious to see how he does. I hope he succeeds for the most part. Uh, well, let me put it this way. I don't want him to fail. I hate that he'll be succeeding with Ohio state, but I think the guy's a great guy. Everything I could tell he's awesome. And I just, I'm curious to see how he handles being on that level. Cause he's never been on that level. Yeah. And um, I mean, we'll see. Um, and whatever happens, happens. That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I hope he coaches in the bowl game. I've heard rumors that he wasn't. I hope that he's everyone says to. he's not. So that makes, that makes me think there's like performance bonuses and other stuff built in that he's, Staying on staff to reduce payout from Oklahoma State, but not coaching to reduce payout from Oklahoma State. That's the only thing I can figure. If you, hmm, well, if being on staff isn't the, well, why would the game be the problem? Just because you have to pay him for the game? Uh, pay for but the he, game. If he coaches he, X number of games, I mean, there's all sorts of crazy incentives, right? You coach X number of games, yeah. you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Um, if we terminate you before a certain date, we owe you this. There's, there's all these different weird things in these sports contracts, like, uh, Mark Stoops, something I heard on the way to work today, his, his, uh, his contract with Kentucky for every seven win season he has, he gets an automatic renewal of a year. Like he gets another year added on the end for every 10 wins. It's two years. So they're like, so there's like a lot of weird stuff that goes on in these contracts. And we saw stuff with Lincoln Riley where like they're buying him a house. And so there's, there's no telling what it is, but it's probably one of those things because I do think that Knowles would love to coach them one more time. And I think the boys would love to play, sorry, men would love to play for him one more time. But I think it's a mutual agreement between the university and him to say, we're going to make this as least painful for both sides financially as possible. They should say, screw it. And just let them, let them ride with the boys one more time. Just let it happen. Just make it happen. Well, and it could, it all it could also be one. Give them the victory cigar for the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> but it could also could be you know a dress rehearsal for whoever they think like if they want to, if they think uh, you know one of the guys who's on the staff you know wants to be promoted, maybe it's a dress rehearsal being like, all right, you got a month to prepare to prepare your guys. It's your team for a month. Let's see what ha- let's see what you can do. I mean, if if I were an employer and I could cut my losses that way and also audition the next person. I totally would, especially with a month off to where you're the guy in charge. Like I doubt Knowles is a practice at any point where whoever, you know, the interim is who I I haven't seen who the interim is going to be for the ball game, but whoever that is, if they show up, shut out Notre Dame, put or, you know, whatever, do a Knowles like performance. They can in so shows he can rally the troops. Sure, why not give him the job? Well, shoot, 
that's a good possibility. Who do you think is a candidate? Oh, the uh, off or defensive line coach. Uh, oh God, I cannot remember his name right now. Uh, he, he's been around for a while, and the defensive line is fantastic. Yeah, I, I think Jim Bob Clements would be a good hire. That's who. Um, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, uh, I think potentially maybe hire somebody from the outside, but I don't know who. I don't know who you go after. Um, man, you know, be kind of cool. I was thinking about this the other day when I was thinking about defenses. I was thinking about that long, old lunch pail defense from Bud Foster. Why not bring him back into the or bring him into the fold? I know he's a loyal guy, but lunch pail defense would be pretty sick. <laughs> well, uh, someone correctly pointed out in the Slack that uh, Gundy's only hired internally once. Yeah. And that was uh, done. So yeah, let's not hire internally. That must be a it's probably a bad idea. Then if done, if done's the thing you have to go off of hiring internally, you hire somebody else from the outside. <laughs> and I don't know who. The I name is Leo Neal. Screw it. The, the name I've been hearing a lot is the U- UTSA guy. Uh their whatever their defense coordinator is. Uh, oh, yeah. I cannot remember his name. That's that that's, one is- that's what I've been seeing popping up on Twitter a whole lot from respectable sources, quote unquote. Oh man, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm looking at the numbers that he put up this year, and this is uh Rod. Well, there's co guys Rod Wright and Jess uh, Lope, and they run a three four. So these are the these are the point totals: thirty against Illinois, zero against Lamar, thirteen against Middle Tennessee. 28 against Memphis, 17 against UNLV, 46 against Western Kentucky, zero against Rice, 16 against Louisiana Tech, 23 against UTEP, 17 against Southern Miss, 31 against UAB, 45 against the 6 and 6 North Texas, and then 41 to Western Kentucky. That sounds like the days of old. It does. Credit Jesse Lop is his alma mater is uh, UCO down here in Edmond. And I will say that 4-2, I remember the first time I saw it, and it was Noel's first – it might have been his first game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was down in Oklahoma, and I watched it, and I've watched a lot of Big 12 football, and I watched the way the linebackers were able to sweep and the safeties and corners were able to move. And I remember texting my dad going, this is defense. He's like, there's no one in the middle to stop the run. I'm like, doesn't matter. This is a defense. And I honestly think this is a defense for a Big 12 spread attack. I think so, too. I think um, the way the way it looks and the fact that you only need two linebackers and it helps prevent because uh, you got three cornerbacks, you can line up with, on them with, you know, four receivers. Like, it, it's a good move because hardly anybody runs the ball anymore. And when you have those veteran linebackers, and this is why I was working, when you have veteran linebackers there, it works. Well, it's way, especially like a three-man front, mm-hmm. if you can get the center to, or the, the nose to one side or the other, all of a sudden that middle, middle passing lane or running lane is open, and you can just jam it, jam it, jam it. And, but it's harder to move four guys in three. And yeah. so – I just, I remember seeing that for the first time. I don't remember who we were playing. And I was just like, that's it. That's, that's the defense that we've been missing. Cause you know, uh, 
all the other guys have been like three down linemen, amoeba, all that stuff. And it's worked some, but not like the not like has worked. So yeah, I think it's a good defense. I think you gotta stick with it, but you gotta find a coordinator that does the same thing. Um, what else is there to talk about? Uh well, I mean, I think I've exhausted all my rants about the college football playoff revenues and Jim Knowles. You want to get into a little uh year in review? Sounds good with me. Let's do it. All right. So the thing, the three things I brought up for our year in year year in review is game of the year, defensive play of the year, and offensive play of the year. So Ian, what do you got for me? Game of the year. Obviously, it'd be very easy to pick Bedlam, but I I think the um, you know it's weird. The game against Boise State felt like. Oh, you read my notes and stole it, you little jerk. I did, but I was thinking, I was thinking about the game against Boise State was a uh, was a turning point for sure. If you want to pick Texas, I can pick Texas uh, because that was kind of the solidified, like, hey, we're we're here. The game against Kansas was the, hey, look, we can actually score points, and then obviously Bedlam, Bedlam, Bedlam felt like the Big Twelve championship straight up. So I mean, if you want me to go with that, and you can get you keep your Boise State pick. I get it. It's a good pick. I'll go Oklahoma. Okay, so as I put in my notes, game of the year, not named Bedlam, which is obviously the game of the oh. year. Uh, and it okay. could easy go to, like I, like you said, could easily be I Texas. Go Baylor if you want. I'll say Baylor, the first game. <sighs> Didn't feel that big at the time, right? But, yeah. but, but the other thing about Boise State is we had one scholarship wide receiver playing. Night game on the road. O-line still hurt. Defense pitches a shutout in the second half. And we didn't realize it at the time because we were all kind of like uh, still nine and three, you know, kind of idea. I mean, I know mm-hmm. how our slack was. I know how I was mentally. But that was like what I have called the harbinger game. It was the harbinger of things to come. Our defense buckled down. They shut them out on the road, right? And Warren went for 218 on the ground. That was our formula for wins all season. Great second half defense and Warren putting up good numbers. I think, the, well, the way they played, you know, with Jalen Warren going off like he did, kind of emerging as the number one running back. Um, yeah, I. it would well, be hard. It's hard not to go with Boise State. Well, and, and you know, but – and the they still trusted Sanders to throw the game winning pass, you know, Man. granted it was still the second quarter. So no, no new was game winning pass, but to a walk on. Right. I mean, it was, this, well, that was like the last pass of the game. Oh no, that was the, that was to keep the game going. That's right. Sorry. I was, I was thinking wrong. That was to like take the knee and stuff. Yeah. But that was the, uh, the, like, that's the microcosm of the season was that game because like, this this team has never been completely healthy or was never completely healthy. I mean, Warren didn't get, get to play against Baylor, was deemed up the last couple of games of the regular season. So it's been this in and out. So, like to me, it's it was the lighthouse. This is what Oklahoma State football is going to be this year. So next up, defensive play of the year. Defensive play of the year. Would you like to go first? 
Sure, I will. And I will say I am picking something that isn't the obvious because obviously the defensive play of the year, if you're giving out the gold medal to the absolute best one, is the Oliver Sack of Williams in Bedlam to end it. Where's that sooner magic now, baby, call Sack, right? Mm-hmm. But in a lot of rec- in a lot of respects, to get there, a single play stands out in my mind. And 5-13 left in the second half against Texas, down 14. Jason Taylor, 85-yard interception against to the house. The route was on. I mean, the route was on. Texas was about to blow it wide open. Texas had a 95.3% probability to win before the INT. And it was like, I remember, I remember exactly where I was sitting. I remember exactly what I was doing, everything for that moment. And I saw it and it was just like, that, that turned the season around that went from, okay, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. Oh my gosh, we're beating Texas. And like, well, this is also before we knew Texas was going to have a giant meltdown too. Yeah. <laughs> but in the moment, because we all, everyone's like ball game, ball game, ball game. I'm like, and I was sitting in an Irish pub in Colorado because they're the only ones that started that opened for a 10 a.m. kickoff. Right. <laughs> and it's like 1130 in the morning mountain time. And he picks it off. I'm like jumping on my feet and everyone's looking at me I'm like, go, go, go. And it was to me, that was the play of the year because without that play, I think we probably lose to Texas and it's just a home hum year instead of what happened. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a different play. I love that play. And this might be classified as a special teams play, but I got to go with the, blo- the, the Jason Taylor block field goal Ooh, with the tip of the finger. And I, I mean, technically this is a special teams play, but he's a part of the defense. So him reaching up hand, almost hand of God, tipping it with the finger blocked. And at that moment you're like, I was like, they blocked a kick. They blocked a kick. I can't believe that happened. That was uh, that that big big play, Jason. That's what he is. And we saw it with our two defensive plays of the yep. year. I think another one you could go with the Colin Oliver sack against Baylor on the fourth and ten when the game was kind of already sealed, and that was like the final cherry on top exclamation point, and that was heading to the bye week. So. And before we move on, I'll stick with my Jason Taylor play. Before we move on, how awesome is that kid? I mean, he's awesome. Great. Everyone on that defense is a junior, senior, Richard senior, super senior. Freshman coming in with that many sacks. Like that is just, that is one of those guys I hope stays. I, I am worried he'll leave. I think that, I think he'll stay and he'll be there. Because obviously he's going to get looks after Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year this coming year. And I think that his draft stock is going to go up because he, well, he's going to have to be, well, not necessarily the main guy. He'll have to, like, Trace Ford will be back, which will be cool. Brock Martin will still be there. And then there's Colin Oliver. So, I mean, there, it's hard not to get excited about that. But to be a freshman and stand yeah. out that much, yeah. 
with that many old dudes around you. And maybe that's, no, I'm not even going to say that he was amazing and it's incredible. He was that amazing as a freshman. Oh yeah. The talent just showed up. He kind of, he filled in the role where Brock Martin was and he, he was playing like a veteran. And, he's and that's gonna, why I'm going to miss Jim Knowles. <laughs> yeah. And that's that. And oh man. Oof. But him and Martin are going to be the same line next year. It's going to be great. It's going to be crazy. Sweet. Is Lacey coming back? Is Lacey yeah. a junior? I think Lacey's supposed to be coming back. It's going to be that. Man, if Knowles is gone, they, there might be some people that are like, hey, I'm going to go to the craft. And Lacey's been getting a lot of love. Uh, he's been called like the prospect, or, like the best looking prospect out of the Oklahoma State defense for like NFL, NFL guys. So I don't know, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. All right. So, offensive play of the year. What do you got? Uh, I'm gonna go with the um, I'm gonna go with the Jalen Warren run, like the six yard touchdown against Baylor, that sealed the game, that at least sealed that game, or probably the 75 yard against Boise State because that was the, hey guys, I'm Jalen Warren and I'm gonna be the running back number one of the year, but. I'll talk about that Baylor play real quick. I mean, that was the dagger into their undefeated season, kept the undefeated season alive in a time where it was fourth and goal and you clutched up there, unlike the Big 12 championship. Um, he clutched up and he got the score and, you know, that was that was it for that game. That was one of those great moments of the season. Like, there are so many moments this year where I'm just like, I remember where I was kind of things and that's one of them and i'm gonna cheat a little bit on this one because i couldn't decide but the blackout at tcu i'm just gonna give it up to the offense on that one almost 700 yards of offense 400 plus on the ground in the throwback black you know black unis in front of barry it that is one of the most memorable games i've ever watched in my entire life just because of everything that was going on around it. Mm-hmm. The game itself was great because we blew them out. But I mean, that, that offensive offensive performance was second to none this season. I mean, it was over by the third quarter. I mean, I, yeah, that's a, cause I think there was three running backs with touchdowns and they, that's the most points they've scored all, all year. So yeah, I think that that's, a, that's definitely a good call. Um, not really a play, but all out. <laughs> to a what? Not yeah, yeah, not really a play. So, yeah. I mean, we've we've got a lot to replace in terms of offensive production. There's not an OSU basketball game until Monday against Cleveland State. So, I mean, there's nothing to talk basketball wise. I mean, oh, there's this uh, AJ Ferrari. Uh, signed an NIL deal with uh, the WWE. Do you have any idea how that works? Like, I know they're he's going to be promoting it, but is it like I, I saw it's like a path to the WWE? So is like, is he signing up to be a WWE performer potentially in the future, or is he like that's just a way to make money for now? So it's called Next in Line, and it's designed to enhance. Enhance the talent development process through collaborative partnerships with college athletes from diverse athletic backgrounds. 
So it's going, so this is what it says. All athlete partnerships will feature access to the state-of-the-art WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, in addition to resources across the organization, including brand building, media training, communications, live event promotion, creative writing, and community relations. Upon completion of the NIL program, select athletes may earn an exclusive opportunity to be offered a WWE contract. So I don't think that's guaranteed. The, the contract is guaranteed, but it could be. You could get one down the line. Right. And so, th- I mean, again, this is from Pistols Firing. Um, he's already shown intentions to go into the MMA following college as well, but he could potentially work some sort of crossover career both. So I will say this. There is there's a guy I think he, he's built out of Perry, I think, Jake Hager. I don't know if you've heard of him. I don't but follow he, you, follow WWE at all. But he went to he went to OU, and uh, in, I think in the WWE he was billed from Perry, Oklahoma. He's been doing a little MMA on the side. Uh, he's three, a three zero and one, and his last fight was October twentieth. I'm sorry, October 29th, twenty twenty. So he had three fights in two thousand nineteen, one fight in twenty twenty, and he hasn't fought since. Because he's been in uh, AEW, you know I, I've seen a lot of collegiate wrestlers, uh, been around some former MMA guys, and AJ Ferrari looks like a freak compared to all of them when it comes to just his build. I could yeah, understand. So. I could understand wanting to go WWE because it's. I'm not saying it's not hard. Mm-hmm. But you're not also getting hit in the head nearly as much, <laughs> so I could see it's, both uh, both avenues for him. It's grueling. It's definitely grueling. Um, I mean, you look at collegiate wrestler Brock Lesnar was a collegiate wrestler at Minnesota. Uh, Kurt Angle, you know, the he had a thing where it was uh, he won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Uh, Gable's uh, Gable Stevenson, he's about to become a WWE. Uh, superstars, what they call it, as well. He was drafted the Raw in October. AJ Ferrari would make a great heel because half of the students at Oklahoma State hate him as well. He he's not at, he's not liked a lot by uh, some students, so he could be a good heel. Yeah, I mean he he's a great like. I can understand why people don't like him. He's just this like crazy dude, and he knows. He, He's he knows he's one of those guys like he could just crush you, period. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, I mean for sure. And he's 20 years old, so he's got, you know, a whole he's got he's got a ways to go. Yeah, and maybe he does like the Ronda Rousey thing where like he MMAs for a while then goes WWE. Oh man, she hasn't done WWE in a while. Yeah, but that was the last thing she did. She hasn't fought. In a long, long time. Yeah, like she did. She retire? I think so. Hmm. Like that last fight she had. Like I remember reading like articles where, like it dislodged like six of her six or seven of her teeth, and like she couldn't eat solid food for two months. <laughs> and, like she got destroyed in her last fight, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm done." Yeah, yeah, I don't blame her at all for that. Yeah, I'd be done. You made your millions. You made yeah. your millions, retire at 28 and just have a good time. <laughs> yeah, why not? 
for real. He only has one career loss in college, according to Wikipedia. I don't know how accurate that is. Yeah, I mean, all right, Ian. Stupid, stupid question to roll us out. Okay. You get $10 million tax-free in your checking account right now. What do you do? Paying for my student loans. <laughs> and with another 990, $900,000, $9 million, whatever. Uh, well, might get a house somewhere. Might get a house somewhere. Maybe Arizona, maybe Georgia, maybe somewhere close that I could just go to. Eh, probably Dallas, who knows? And I'd probably... Uh, I'm going to fix up my car too, but I might, if I get $10 million, invest some of it, buy a truck again. Uh, I used to have a truck and I miss it. Uh, <laughs> I had to get a car that was more fuel efficient, but yeah, probably that. And then, you know, maybe get some good Christmas gifts for my family. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I mean, my, my debt load is rather insignificant for a 37 year old. So pay that off. Uh, move back home to Tulsa. Uh, I, I know some investments I would get, but then I'd take my uh, future family on a vacation, like all expenses paid trip to Disney for like two weeks, like Butler service, like the whole nine yards. Oh, you're going and, fancy, fancy. Oh, fancy, fancy. Get the yacht that like goes out in the lagoon and watches the fireworks. Yeah, the, the whole bit. <laughs> That's how you live it, live it up, dude. That and after awesome. that, I, you know, I just started, uh, I started in, like investing in small companies to like help them get off the ground and do like VC angel work and hopefully like make it big on some company. But I mean, if you, if you've got $3 million with no debt, you can make yeah. enough money to never have to work again. And that would be my job is never have to work, work again. Oh, yeah. No, I would probably, I mean, probably get some equipment, maybe a video camera, start doing some YouTube stuff. I, I I'd currently do YouTube stuff, but not as big, very low budget. Use my phone for it most of the time. But I mean, and get some, get some more like podcasting equipment because, you know, Zoom's kind of, Zoom doesn't have the best like sound quality per se. You feel me? Yeah, I get you. Probably just make a studio. <laughs> That's what I'll do. Uh, <laughs> you know, and even though I do love my car, I would buy a truck because I do miss. I had a truck when I was young, and especially when I was like had my own house, mm -hmm. I just missed having a truck. <laughs> like, I, like I don't want to go to Home Depot and like get all this lumber and I couldn't do it. So I did like get delivered and it was just such a pain, but yeah. yeah. Oh, I had to use my dad's truck for getting some mulch a couple of, uh, might've been last year, in July maybe. And I was like, this stinks. I wish I had my truck <laughs> for that sort of thing. So. Well, yeah. faithful yeah. listeners. Oh, I had an old 99 Ford Ranger. Okay. Back when they were actually small trucks. Oh, okay. So I actually looked at it. A Ford Ranger of today is the same size as an F-150 of 20 years ago. Like wow. that's how big <laughs> trucks have gotten. Oh yeah. That's nuts, actually. <laughs> that big, huh? They're huge. Wow. Wow. Well, do you, do you have anything else before we round this out, Mr. Ian? I do not. 
Well, faithful listeners of uh, Ingalls and Ian, uh, please hit us up with what you would do with $10 million tax-free in your bank account, because that'll be a fun thing to talk about. And as always, we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Go Pokes.